Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Your Mortgage Process. I'm, of course, your host, Greg Wareham. we got a great show for you today. We have Steve Roderick and we have David Valesco from JGS Insurance, which is a Baldwin risk partner. Welcome to the show, guys. Well, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Greg. All right, so we found out before we get going, we just want to make sure that we do not get David laughing because he can get a case of the giggles. We've seen it happen a couple of times already. Yes. So, David, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been in the insurance industry and what it is that you do? So uh, if you really want to know about myself, first question is going to be, where is the accent from? And, and like you thought originally, I am not from Sweden. I'm from <laughs> France. Moved here about like uh, 15 years ago, and I had a uh, started my career in insurance by starting it in the habitational world uh, in a different industry. I was in the building industry and then made a transition to insurance uh, with a specialty on the um, what's called the habitational, anything that is condo association, HOA, co-op related. Okay. Thank you. And uh, Steve, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, my name is Steve Roderick, and I've been with JGS Insurance now since uh, 2018. I uh, made a, a pretty big transition from the marine industry. Okay. Uh, I used to, to run some dealerships and uh, basically used to fix boats. So um, that, that's really— That's a big change. It, it is a big change. But you know what? It, it was uh, a friend of mine that was in this industry, uh, worked together on a lot of theories about how to fix things. Sure. And there was a, there's a need. There's a real need to fix the insurance industry as far as uh, processes and, and how things are done and how they're procured so that it benefits the insured more uh, than it benefits the industry. It's kind of an old school, fuddy-duddy industry that they really needed a little bit of a wake-up call. So we, we sure. came up with a plan on, on how to do that. So we're really, we're really making an impact on, on fixing the insurance industry. That's fantastic, Steve. Hence, his nickname. What's your nickname? I'm not sure. Steve Roderick, the brokers of fixes oh. things. That's <laughs> typically his intro. I like it. Well, it's true, <clears throat> it, right? They they asked us to come up with it with an elevator pitch during an exercise, an, an old training exercise or something like that, and that's the only thing I come up with is that Steve I, Roderick, I, the I, broker that fixes things. I, I fix things. So now, do you guys? Spe- I know the company that you work for. I mean, this is a big company with the parent parent company. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, you're talking top twenty, top twelve in the country, correct? Yes. Now, for you and what you do, what do you specialize in? Well, both of us are a specialist in really what's the uh, real estate market uh, for communities. So anything that is um, related, we, we don't specialize in your single home, my single home, or your, your, your personal insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, both Steve and I are specialists with the uh, insurance programs for the communities. So, okay. you have so the HOA communities, associations. Condos, high-rises. I mean, and these HOAs. are big operations. I mean, for the for the consumer or the business partner out there listening, I mean, you're talking, you know, some of these budgets can be $100 million budgets plus, right? Sure. Oh, absolutely. Big it's, operations. Yeah, and and every, every association, whether it's a condominium association or an HOA or a co-op, uh, these are all multi-million dollar corporations. So they, they have assets that are in, like you said, in, in excess of 100, 200, 300 million dollars that they sure. need to manage. And then it, there's an emotional component to it as well because these are people's homes. Right. So this is this is where they live, and especially now that COVID, and everybody's working from home or some sort of hybrid situation, um, there's an emotional attachment to this oh, huge corporation. Now, so I would think so when you're working, being on the mortgage end of it, and working with so many different homeowners associations over time, I mean, you guys have to build relationships with the people that run the board of the homeowner association. Is that kind of your your client that you talk to on a day in and day out basis? 
Absolutely. It's, and you know what? That, that's what we really get a lot of enjoyment from is working with the boards, working with a panel of individuals who have different opinions and have different knowledge bases, um, different areas of expertise. And we work as a team together to come up with the solutions and to come up with the best game plans uh, for, for really securing the future insurability of these corporations, of these associations, sure. of the community. Well, and it's so different, right? Because if you're dealing with a high-rise complex in Jersey City, for an example, it's different than the 55 and older community that you may find in Monmouth or Ocean County, New Jersey. Absolutely. It changes radically the the, the dynamics within the board. Right. Uh, the people you're going to have serving on the boards, they all have different agenda. I mean, if, you, if you're dealing with a high-rise in in Hoboken, they're not worried about who's playing pickleball. But right. if you're in South Jersey, that that is a big concern, and and that's really where you need to really be versatile in understanding your your market segment and understanding these boards and really, like you said, build a relationship. Sure. The challenge with that is that oftentimes, you know, those boards change. Right. Uh, they may you may be serving on a board for a year, two years, three years. Sometimes some serve for a decade or more, but sometimes it changes quite often. So th that requires, you know, really working on that, that aspect of it. Yeah. And the relationships with everyone. So everything kind of is really cohesive. Have you played pickleball, pickleball before David? Not yet. <laughs> uh, Steve, I, I think David's lying about that. I saw, <laughs> I saw a racket in the backseat of his car earlier. It is, it is definitely a hot trend. Um, it's, and it's, it's, it's a major sport. Now. It, it, is, it is a major sport. We, we see a lot of it. Yes. I get it. But like, I'm, I'm still a millennial. So, like, for me, it's like, I feel like it'll, it'll be making a statement about my age if I start playing pickleball. So, it it okay. might. I mean, usually, if, hey, listen, at the end of the day, people are having a great time with it. I guess it's a lot less, uh, you don't have to run around as much as tennis. Yeah, I guess you really you gotta, could be unathletic like myself and still play. Yeah, you, you have to be like you. <laughs> hey, hey, guys, question for you. So, I mean, insurance. So when I think insurance, HOA and insurances in, in general, like insurance to me is one of those few things in the world that are an absolute need and not a want. Right. You have to have insurance. Insurance is one of the things that keeps our whole economy and financial markets in place. Right. Without insurance, you know, things start to start to fall apart. So it being such a monumental part of foundational parts of our country, you know, how do you feel right now the mortgage market is currently? Or excuse me, the uh, insurance market is currently. There's, there's a couple of things going on, but you are you are correct. It, it's essential, and you know that most people um, have a somewhat of a, a love hate relationship with it. If you ask somebody uh, how they feel about insurance, the most common response is, "I hate insurance." Well, but. But why do you hate insurance? You know, it's, a lot of it has to do with the lack of communication from the industry mm -hmm. um, and the lack of understanding as to, to why it's so important. Um, we don't like the way that insurance is procured. We don't like the way insurance is sold. We don't like the, the lack of communication, but we do like it when there's a fire and a check arrives. Right. Right. So, so what do you really hate about it? You hate the process. And that's where, why we're really here to fix is the process and, and, and provide the education and the understanding so that once people understand how and why – then, then it's not so painful any longer. And, and it really, you become more comfortable and you feel like you have a little bit of control because 
without that little bit of feeling of control, it's, it's just like I'm, I'm, I'm just lighting money on fire. Yeah, that's what it feels like. As you know, as a consumer, there's a lot of different types of insurances. That's kind of what it feels like right. from a consumer standpoint. Right. So the, the market right now, to answer your question, is is a little bit, it's in turmoil. We're seeing the hardest market that anybody who's still alive has ever seen. But there are reasons for that. And once you explain those reasons as to why prices are going up or premiums yeah. are going up, once once the boards and the, the, the community associations can understand that, um, then, then they can stomach it. So, and I'm going to come back to those factors in one second, Steve. David, did you have something that you wanted to add? No, that was, that was basically going into, say, say going into what you were just about to say. I just want to make sure that we weren't. Uh, yeah. So, you know, off. I was reading that, you know, two of the big impacts right now on insurance premiums are inflation, mm -hmm. which you don't think that as a consumer. Right. Oh, well, you know, my groceries are more expensive. Right. I'm paying more for gas. Housing's right. high. But it impacts insurance. And then the other is natural disasters are on the rise. I mean, I think we've had, and when you look at the past couple of years, I mean, we've had some, you know, $100 billion years, right, mm -hmm. with in insurance payouts. So could you tell us a little bit how those things impact the industry? Well, these are some of the things that we actually have no control over. Mm -hmm. When you really think about it, you, you, there are some things that you can control and some things that you have zero control over. So those things, we don't control the weather. Uh, somebody just asked me last week, um, what's insurance? Are renewals going to look like next May? I'm like, right. It's really hard to tell you because we're in the midst right now of the hurricane season. So your your premium is really going to be impacted by how bad is this hurricane season going to be? How bad the fire season is going to be in California and out west? And, and all these big weather events that we've seen, like the Texas freeze a couple of years ago, like the big wildfires, the big hurricanes, the big rain events that are uh, causing a lot of lot of claims. Those events, uh, ultimately, the premium has to be recouped somehow. Sure. Uh, you think about an insurance an insurance company writing a condo in New Jersey. They also have assets that they're writing in California and Texas. Sure. And and their book of business has been affected, and ultimately, they have to recoup the money in order for those checks to keep coming. Should a, should a disaster happen to your community? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned hurricanes, and I was thinking about that earlier. When you look at, you know, you, you specialize in that HOA insurance world. You go down to Florida, that's like the land of the homeowners association boards, right? That's what there is down there. And hurricanes, I mean, that's a huge risk that's got to impact global premiums. Absolutely. And and insurance carriers are walking away from, from the business. They don't want to write condo associations anymore. So it goes back to a problem of supply and demand. You still have mm -hmm. the same amount of communities that exist. At the same time, just about, in some places, about half the building permits for development are, that are being uh, released are, um, are for communities, planned communities, community association, condos. Uh, so these communities will need insurance, and they will need to buy that insurance from the same places that are currently walking out of the market. So increased demand and less availability, the price goes up. So you need to be a very, very, very good risk in order to get uh, an affordable insurance premium these days. And in Florida, almost more than ever, stop me if I'm wrong, Steve, this is a crisis. Uh, it's not uncommon to see a thousand percent increase on, on insurance. Wow. Uh, I just, first thing I read this morning was about um, an HOA in Florida. Uh, that was the result of it. And I just wanted to see what the the news was going to say about sure. it. And basically, you know, they kind of bring it up or like it's 
news to them. Yeah. Oh, these weather events are affecting the industry. Yes. Yeah, and you do see there's insurance carriers leaving Florida, Absolutely. from what I've been reading. I know in homeowners insurance, we've seen that in, yep. in my in my space. So uh, years ago, there was a mass exodus from the state of New Jersey for auto carriers. Yeah, uh, I, I remember. Oh, I remember. Yeah, yeah Geico so wasn't here. You couldn't get you car couldn't insurance, and yeah. so it's even more difficult. What we do in habitational, um, there's there's fewer carriers out there, good carriers that are willing to write habitational risks because of the dollar amounts. Because we're talking about. Um, some some very large associations. So uh, let's look at what the nuts and bolts of insurance really is. It's a transfer of risk. Right. So it's it's not a public service by any stretch of the imagination. So so companies that are willing to to transfer that risk onto their bank account, and then there's reinsurance, and we can we can get into the minutia of that later. But um, you know, on the upfront side of it, these insurance carriers only have so much available, so much capacity to be able to insure a certain amount of, of risk. And so as the cost of goods, as inflation rises, the total insurable values are rising, which decreasing their capacity. So they have to be much more selective and a lot pickier about the risks that they want to transfer onto their book. So if you're not a good risk, if you're if you have a lot of losses, if you if your history isn't great, well guess what? You may be you may find yourself without the carrier that you had last year. Yeah. They may say, hey, you know what? That's not such a good risk for us anymore. We're paying out more money than we're bringing in, so we're just we're just not gonna we're not gonna write that contract next year. So you guys are gonna have to find somebody else, and you're gonna find that pool of somebody else's shrinking, shrinking very rapidly. State of Florida, in particular, um, there there's a lot of uh, carriers that are exiting the space, and it's happening in New Jersey. It's happening all over the country. Right. You exactly. know, go ahead. Uh, yeah, and, and to illustrate your point, I was just uh, uh, working with an association recently, and to just give you the gist of it, if over the past five years, they paid about three hundred thousand dollars of premium to to their insurance carrier. Mm-hmm. It's a particular client. Yeah. Okay. Um, so over the past five years, think about this: three hundred thousand dollars of premium goes to the insurance carrier. That money, you know, they have to pay the repairs, they have to pay their people, they have to pay us, they have to pay everybody, everything they have to pay for, plus save some money for the uh, for the claims. Sure. Now you have one loss that is $1.3 million on this community. Guess what? You're a very bad risk. Yeah. Like you're absolutely not profitable. And, you know, the community needs to understand, so what did, how did we get there and how do we get out of this hole? Because it is not uh, some things that happens overnight. Yeah, that's a great point, Dave. And I was going to piggyback that off of, you know, what Steve was saying. So as a... As an association, what are some of the steps that I can take to make myself more insurable? You're going to love Try and keep premiums down. <laughs> like, what do I do? Because oh. they don't know. And this is part of why right. you guys sure. are experts in what you do. Right. Tell me what I need to do to get my premiums down. Okay. <clears throat> so so in order to, to really secure your future insurability, a plan is, is paramount. You, you have to look at who you guys are as an association. We have to do a little bit of, of introspective uh, examination here. So we need right. to know who we are as an association. We need to know what we look like as a risk to the insurance marketplace. So um, when, when an underwriter gets a, a risk or a potential risk, a potential client, they have in front of them some data. They have, okay, it's, a, it's an association that has 350 units. It's in such and such county, New Jersey or Pennsylvania, wherever it might be. And they have some numbers in front of them and they say, okay, well, it's going to be this many square feet times this rebuild cost. And it's, it's very, it's incredibly boring. It's mind numbingly boring. And, <laughs> and, and so, but in order to, to actually look like a good risk, 
right? right. We, we need to know who the association is. Who, what was the board doing to, to really proactively prevent losses? Right. What, what are we doing to make sure that our infrastructure isn't just falling apart, crumbling to the ground? Sure. Insurance is not, is not a maintenance program. It's, it's there to, to put you back to where you were when something bad happens, mm-hmm. right? It's not, it's not to replace your 30-year-old roof because there's a leak every week in a different unit. The insurance company, it's... We knew that that roof was going to fail in 30 years. Right. Right. That no one, you got a budget for this stuff. Exactly. Got, yeah. So, so there's a number of things that we can do. But first, really understanding who we are as a community and how we operate, that's going to be the, the first step in really in, in building a, a secure, insurable future. And, yeah, that makes sense. And I think that's particularly important in today's context and, and for the people that are listening to the podcast, a lot of them are homeowners. They sure. have or they are looking for for a mortgage, maybe on a in in an HOA, or they're looking to buy a condo. You know, be active in the life of your community because you need to you need to know what's going on as a resident of the community. Now, the board is doing its due diligence, um, but you also may want to have an impact. You want to support the board, and 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 if you think things are not being done correctly, that it will impact your future insurability then do something about it right you know, for the board. That's a great point, David, because look, at the end of the day, you're paying a monthly HOA fee as the consumer, as the average consumer. Uh-huh. Well, you have ownership in the entire day. Absolutely. So you have to pay attention to what's going on. You have to communicate with the people at the board so they can con- in turn communicate with you guys to make sure that we're mitigating our risk to the best of our ability. And, and you know, sometimes you drive by a, a, a planned communities and you'll see a sign that says... Um, maintenance-free living or something like this. Right. Meaning that, don't worry, we'll take all the decisions for you. <laughs> well, you know, in, if you look in today's insurance context, it's not always a good thing. So really be involved, uh, be proactive. If you see something that is doesn't make sense, just just ask and, you know, support the board. Sure. Like, you, you know, we're not over there to say, hey, you need to challenge them. But as a homeowner, um, you know, you'll be pulled with everybody else mm-hmm. if you live in a community association. So it's important that you you stay an act to be an active yeah. member of that community. Yeah, that's a great point, David. Hey, I wanted to come back to something that you said, Steve, about that example of the roof. There's a roof leak here and there. So if I'm running an HOA, a big HOA, and we feel like that there's issues with the roof, just general wear and tear. Now, is that something that we should try to budget on our own to be able to replace it? Or, or do we look at, hey, if you make an insurance claim, this is what's going to happen to your premium? Like, what's the process on that? Great, great question. I, lo- I love this question. So, um, yeah, insurance, again, it's not, it's not a maintenance program. So, yes, built into the cost, built into, into the budget of said HOA or condominium association or co-op has to be a provision to replace that, that component, whether it be a roof or siding or downspouts, whatever part of, of the association that's you need to have that plan for the expected life. So sure. there's a there's a very useful tool called a reserve study. Um, yes. And most uh, most proactive, most successful community associations have something in place. Um, and and these things go over 30 years, and they'll project out how much money it's going to cost, and that they take into account you know certain inflation rates, and they look at what what this is going to, how much money we need to put away every year, what what kind of things we need to budget for, and they're very very detailed. Okay. And and they they should be reviewed every f- few years. In fact, sure. that we're we're starting to see some some legislation that's mandating. It makes sense, right? Right. So, so that, you don't have the collapses that you had in two thousand eight, yes. nine, and ten. Yes. Because they all went bankrupt. Yeah. 
and what a, yeah, what a horrible tragedy. Yeah. And you know, having that insight and having that that look into the future to say, hey, we're going to need this money in ten years. Hey, we're going to need this money in twenty years, is is incredibly useful tool for budgeting. So that we're not just all of a sudden, oh my god, we have to do a roof project that's going to cost seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I had a, an association that just did all the roofs and all the siding all at the same time. It was seven million dollar project. Wow, seven million dollar project. And if you were just to throw that into the board's lap, say, you know. And well, we got to do this in the next three years. Well, where are we going to come up with seven million dollars? So without that forethought, without that insight into the future, it, it's really difficult to budget for. Can you borrow against? I'll come to your question or your point in a second, David. So if you're a big homeowners association that has a big amount of reserves and you have a big project coming up, mm -hmm. I, can you borrow against the amount of reserves that you have? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, you can. You can get. This is liquidating. Yes, yeah. Okay. It's just, it's just like anything else. You can. You can. You can. Uh, apply for loans, and but you're gonna have to pay them back. So, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so if something happens that is unexpected, yes, you can get a loan, but there's interest involved. Uh, you're sure. better. You're better off building that money up ahead of right time ra it. rather than trying to react to it later. See, but there's something too. You get look at reserve studies and all of that. So your average person that's going to sit on a board in HOA, I mean, that's not intuitive to coming on it. You don't think you're making those types of decisions, right? No, you I, don't. But when, when you really think about it, it should make you feel good to know that it might be in place. Like if it's in yeah. place, it's great because, you know, it's kind of a, the boards are, you know, they're volunteers. Like right. I'm an insurance professional. Uh, you're a finance uh, professional. Uh, somebody else might be doing something. And now we're, what makes me uh, qualified at uh, determining if the roof is good or not? Sure. You know? Yeah. So you need professionals to be involved into that communal aspect of things to to help and guide the conversation and making sure that we're staying ahead of the deterioration. If you are on a single home and you don't want to fix your siding, you don't want to fix your roof, that's on you. <laughs> but you're part of a corporation and we have a responsibility to each other. So having a community. Plan, exactly. Yeah. So having the plan is important, but having a reserve study is not enough because I know plenty of communities that have reserve studies that just don't follow the, f the funding that they should be doing. Mm. And the follow through is really where it matters. And same thing with, with us in the insurance market. We promote a written plan that we're going to do this, this month, this month, this month mm. in order to alleviate negative consequences of your inaction or to promote steps that actually help for your future insurability. But having a plan, then do anything if you don't follow it. So yeah. it's really important to uh to do you help them do you coach them through the implementation like listen this is your plan and this we got to follow a b c and d we got to do these things and or do you kind of give them the plan or do you follow up with them to make sure they're implementing we we, we do it ad nauseum we we, <laughs> we, 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 we we pursue it um it behooves us to to follow that plan right. um it benefits the community to follow that plan um, and, but it is essentially, it's up to them to, to accept that, um, that input. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, the, unfortunately you do have some apathetic communities and some apathetic boards, but uh, to your point earlier, what we're talking, what we're talking about is as a, as a unit owner in an association, yet we have, we not only have a stake in it, in our community, we literally have a share in this corporation right. We are actually a shareholder. So why wouldn't, why wouldn't we pay attention to what that investment is doing? 
right? right? If I have a TD Ameritrade account and I have shares in a stock that I bought, that I willingly paid for out of my own pocket, I'm going to watch that stock. Now, I may not watch it every single day, but I don't buy it and forget about it. I didn't buy mm -hmm. it just because I had free money laying around. Right. I, I bought it as an investment. So when you're buying a unit in an association, you are buying a share of that corporation. So paying attention to it, having some input on it, those those are all viable, viable aspects of what you what you just did with your investment that that's a great point steve and from a from a mortgage standpoint from a real estate standpoint I, i'm hearing what you're saying and i'm going well you know it's important to me from a resale standpoint if i own the property to make sure that the condo association's doing all the right things to make sure that there's a lot of liquidity so I don't lose when I try to go sell the property potentially in the future. Absolutely. Because if you got an insurance issue, well, is that really a good investment for me longer term because we didn't take the right steps? You're absolutely correct. And insurance is one of, if not the highest, biggest line item on a lot of budgets out yeah, there. Yeah, makes sense. And that has a direct impact on your monthly fees, which has a very direct impact on your resale value. Couldn't agree more, David. Because you, you can't really sell your unit if you end up having like absolutely astronomical uh, HOA fees. No, no, nobody wants it. Dues, litigation, yep. all those things. It's, it all creates a challenge. It's 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 akin to taxes. So if I'm going to buy a, a home, a single family home in a certain county that has a certain tax rate yeah. versus a, a home that has maybe a lesser tax rate, it's it's akin to that. So if I'm going to look at a unit in, a, in an association where my fees are $750 a month versus one that's at $225 a month, those, those are those are real considerations when purchasing a, a unit. You yeah. know, and this is from a, from a mortgage lending standpoint. Standpoint. This is why there's rules in place when you're buying a condo that you have to go through a condo approval process because you have to make sure the association has liquidity. Yes. You know, we do our own little financial reserve study on it to make sure that we can lend on it because if there's not enough money in reserves, we may not be able to lend there. Another example is investor concentration. Yes. So if too many, if one entity or one person owns too many units, well, what happens if they own half of the units in the complex, if they stop paying, the association fails. And these are things that you look at from a lending standpoint. These are things you guys say. Yeah, it's very, very hard to insure communities that has a high threshold of, of investment yeah. properties in it. Um, it makes it very, very complicated. And you, we see it on the back end when we see the infrastructure, when we see the struggle behind it and the complications that it brings. Not only to mention that oftentimes that's going to be the residents that you have the most problem with because they are not active shareholders or not owners in the community, and that's where you're going to end up having problems too. Yeah, makes sense. That, that goes along with of, of realizing who you are as a community. Uh, are we are we a community of unit owners who who really have pride in ownership and and doing better for the community, or are we an investment community? And what we're going to end up doing is limiting the pool of good carriers. Yeah, there are, every carrier has a threshold for exactly what you just said for for the investment property, the capacity there. So if we have a, if we're at a fifty percent rental ratio, there are a, a number of good carriers that that won't even look at it. They won't even consider the risk. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm thinking of one high rise that I was working on in. Center City, Philadelphia has a ninety-five percent rental ratio. Like so, <laughs> your, your yeah. pool, your pool of carriers in the standard market where you have the good policies, where you have somewhat of a reasonable rate, is limited to one carrier. You only have one option, right. and then after that, you you're in the excess market, which is extremely high premium market, extremely expensive. 
Yeah, you know, that's uh, yeah, that's great. And so we're going to come back. We're going to take a quick break, guys. We'll come back. Greg Wareham, we got Steve, we got David here. We'll be back at you in a couple of minutes. Well, welcome back, everyone, to this week's edition of Your Mortgage Process. Of course, we have Steve and we have David here. So, Steve, I want to come back to something you had said earlier about defining the sense of community sure. or the culture within the association and the people. I mean, I, to me, that would be a critical part of it. I mean, culture is important anywhere. Without a doubt. You know, I, I'd said before, I kind of made a joke about how boring insurance can be. But, but to be completely honest with you, you know, when we're when we're presenting an association to uh, a carrier, prospective carrier, uh, we, we have to sell that association to, to the underwriter. We have to make this, this uh, association, this investment that they're making right. uh, attractive. And a, a large portion of that is how the community behaves, is governed, their policies, mm. um, their bank accounts, just like you know, you'd mentioned. I mean, if, if they're bankrupt or they're, they don't have enough money to fix things, why would an insurance company want to invest in that? Right. Why, why, why would they? Why would they want to invest in a failing community? So that's it's a major, major component. So not only do we have to sell ourselves to the board, and make sure that they understand how we're going to do business together and the relationship that we're about to build. Then we have to take the community and we have to sell that to the underwriters and make sure. it look. We have to. We have to basically we have to present them in the best light possible, mm -hmm. so that so the underwriters are comfortable in saying that wow, this is this is a good risk. This is we can actually we can do this. We can actually um, we can insure this at a decent rate, um, and everybody's going to come out on the other end looking good. Now, does it work on it? Is it all a case by case basis? So when the underwriter is looking at something so big. You know, the premium's different for everybody. It's not like you don't fit into a box. You're not the 52-year-old male that needs a 10-year term insurance policy that doesn't smoke, right? How does that process work? So it's really about how are you going to be represented to the marketplace? Because you remember we talked about the things that we can control? Yeah. There are things that you can control. And Steve talked about a few of them. Like you can control to an extent you are as a community i mean like you know you can't move your condo from oceanfront because it costs more money to inland right. you can't do that but the things that you can do to be a better risk and improve what you have here what you have to work with there's also the things that you can work on is avoiding the losses avoiding claims there's a different mechanism into that but ultimately when it comes to actually seeking the insurance is how are you being represented? So if you are to uh, negotiate your personal home insurance with somebody and now you just put a new roof, would you talk about it to your, mm -hmm. to your broker? Uh, yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah you would yeah. tell them, say, hey, I'm putting your roof on. But you got to make sure that the broker communicates that to the carrier. You got to right. make sure that that's being done. And when we talk about multi-million dollar corporation, it's not unusual that we deal with boards and I ask them, so, well, have you told the carriers that? Have you told your broker? And they're like, no, no, we didn't think of it. I'm like, that's a big deal. You're making all these investments and it's not being communicated. And that's a big deal. So you really need to be on top of how you're being perceived into the marketplace, how you are being represented uh, in order to actually really know if you're getting a fair shake or not. So when you're, when you're getting insurance on a big association, does the insurance company send someone out there? Hey, we got to go investigate this property. We got to look around <laughs> it. Sometimes they do. Okay. So one thing that we try to do with Steve, and it's kind of like a part of, I mean, I, I'm sure we're not the only broker in the world that does that. Uh, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Just but the one, best. Yeah. We, I agree. <laughs> but one of the things that we try to do uh, on s certain properties, like we, we know they came out from a, uh, a difficult 
couple of years or there's been a situation and we started getting involved with the community, now we're becoming your representative. Uh, one of the things that we want to do is make that carrier as comfortable as possible. Sometimes we hire an independent company that would provide a risk management report in order to, hey, maybe we can keep the, the carrier off the properties. They're not going to do a pre-binding inspection, that's sure. called. So they're going to come beforehand to make sure that everything we're giving them is up the snuff. And then they're going to say, well, you know, we did find this. You did not say that. So if you're very much up front, and again, Steve always said it, honesty is the... Best policy. Best policy. <laughs> honesty. Did is you come up policy. with that on your own? I Yes, that's pretty good. Verbal trademark. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> if we carry that to the carriers and they know there's, you know, they trust what you're doing. If you're coming yeah. with an independent report from somebody else, then you avoid these these tough inspections as they're going to bring on. Uh, but even if you do your very best, they will more than likely do a what's called a post binding inspection. They will then come mm. after you have been doing after you signed all your paperwork. And then they, they create a nice little report of their own, and sometimes they come with something very fancy. And Steve, I think you pick up from there. Yeah. Um, so interestingly enough, when when they do send out an inspector, a lot of times it does happen after the fact that they've they're, they're going to take for granted that we're telling the truth as sure. to as to what the community is, who they are. So they're they're going to make a decision based on on our um, on how we how we present the community, and they say, okay, well, we're going to insure you guys this year. <clears throat> so we, we bind it and then then they say okay so we're going to send out bill and bill's going to go take a look around and bill's job is to to look at potential hazards slip and falls and to take some pictures and sometimes bill's going to come back with recommendations mm -hmm. okay now recommendations um is a nice word for requirement right, okay. uh, these are not these are not recommendations these are um these are items that the carrier wants taken care of uh, in a timely fashion um and if you do not comply with said recommendations, what you're going to find yourself in is a situation where they're going to say, you know what, we asked you to do this. Um, we've asked you more than once to do this. You don't want to do this. So we're just not going to write you another insurance policy next year. Mm. Um, that's called a non-renewal. Uh, that sounds bad. Yeah, it's, like it's if you bad. get a non-renewal and you have to go somewhere else, they know that, They right? know that, correct. Yeah, it's it's the second question on the application. Has, yeah. it, has the association ever been non-renewed? It's a it's a huge strike against in the underwriting process and, and who you look like as a community. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's akin to say – a lot of people say, well, are they going to drop us? No. Technically, they're not going to drop you, um, not without – some some extenuating circumstances, but what they will do is, is non-renew. Mm. So they're just going to say, okay, you know, we, we made it through this year, um, but you guys aren't aren't going the direction we want you to go in. So we're just not we're not going to renew you. Um, so in this, essentially, that that is a giant strike against you as far as the rest of the marketplace is concerned, and it makes your insurability. Um, not so great if yeah. because if somebody else is non-renewing, well, why now, right. now you're under exactly. the now you're under the microscope. Exactly. You're, Who wouldn't think that's right. intuitive, right? Right, exactly. And now, yeah. now they're taking a close look. Now they're saying, "Well, why, wait a minute. Why, why is there a non-renewal? What's what's going on here?" And then they want to know. Yeah, and, and like you, to your point earlier, Steve, insurance is a business. It's yeah. not a charity, and it's not a public service. Right. So ultimately, they have to make a profit. Yeah. And if you're writing three hundred thousand dollars of insurance over the past five years, and you end up paying out one and a half million dollars in claims then it's a bad business model and you're going to walk away from it. Yeah. Everybody under the sun would do the same. Yeah, It makes doesn't sense. make sense to do any otherwise. So what do we do to be attractive and to keep mm -hmm. that program in place? Sometimes it's really, you, you may have the right program for your community. You may have the right program, 
but nothing's being done proactively to make sure that we're going to maintain that program for the next five, 10 years. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes, like I said, like the community I was thinking about earlier, you only really have one carrier. But the moment this, they cross a threshold that they're no longer comfortable with that uncomfortable risk to begin with, with 95% rentals, right? then where are you going to buy it? Yeah. It could cost, cost you seven, Fortune. eight times. Ten yeah. times more. You know, I would say when you were talking about someone potentially going to the property and looking around, I, I was thinking, let's use the roof as an example. So if we know the roof already has 30 years on it and I'm an insurance company, it may make more sense for the association to replace that roof before they buy the insurance on it, right? Absolutely. To keep it down. Absolutely. Hurricane windows. There's different grades of hurricane windows. And making sure, and then what the cost comparison is and sure. the analysis associated with it. So it's complicated behind the scenes, you know, looking at all those numbers. Just, there's a lot of moving parts. And if you do a roof, so for example, sometimes it might make sense to say, oh, you know, we're going to do this massive roof project. Sometimes we deal with communities that have 50, 60 buildings. So mm. it'll take a, take a while, but you also don't want to be dragging your feet in doing that process because having a construction crews all around, roving around for the next five years while you're doing your projects, that's not something that the insurance carrier like either. Yeah. So you want to stay on top of things, make sure that you're financing your projects correctly and that you have the proper uh, structure in place to make sure that you have the reserve funding. That you Get need. it done, keep it clean. Yep. And so like everyone likes it clean, right? Uh, hey, the underwriters look at the the rate at which you're doing these projects. They yeah. really, really do. And and if, if if you have like David said, if you have fifty or sixty buildings and you're only doing four a year, it becomes a math problem at that point. What when you get to that last building, <laughs> uh, it's you are way past the expected life of that roof. Sure, no, it's so a good that, point. Hey, I have a question for you guys with dealing with the underwriters. It so it sounds to me like relationships matter. You oh, know, because yeah. I notice it in my world with underwriting and underwriting Absolutely. manager, like the relationship I have with them, it does matter to help facilitate things and potentially get people a very good deal, a very sure. fair deal, right? Sure. Do you see the same thing with the carriers that you work with? That's paramount. Yeah. It's absolutely paramount. Uh, if, if the underwriter doesn't, doesn't trust what I'm telling them, um, they're not going to want to do business. So it's going to limit our already very, very small pool of options going to limit it. So as David speaking earlier to representation, it's, it's critical. It really, really is. And, and I mean, underwriting, it, it's almost like a dirty word. It's like underwriters. Oh, they're always scared of the underwriters. Yeah. Well, no, the, the, the truth of the matter is the underwriters have, have budgets. Mm -hmm. um, the underwriters are, are, they're, they're evaluating risks. So if they need, they need to understand those risks. And they need to understand them deep enough so they can make good decisions. Because if if I'm selling them a risk and and I'm not forthcoming in it, and things right. keep happening, they're going they're, that's going to reflect poorly on my representation of said risks. You know, this is why it's so important. Again, from a uh, from an association standpoint, you know, they're the, your consumer really. Are these big associations got to be working with the right people because the human capital matters, and it's that that's something they don't you don't see right. The fact that you can pick up the phone and talk to this underwriter to try to, and they trust you, and you try and can help better facilitate the process, which at the end of the day helps the association. Mm -hmm. It's especially right now, and we are in such a difficult market. A lot of times, something will come across their desk that 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 doesn't fit their their box, like you said earlier. Yeah. Um, it doesn't quite fit their box, but it, but if it's a good risk, if it's something that I know that this carrier has an appetite for, um, and the community is doing the right things, they're taking the right steps to to secure their future insurability, I can I can have an underwriter take another look at that 
I right. say, you know what, you guys, this is this is a good one. You guys really want to take a look at this, and here are the reasons why. And they'll listen, and they'll listen. And if there's room in it, and if they if they believe that this is a good risk, they can reopen it and they can take sure. another look at it. Absolutely. Uh, but it, but if if I just say, hey, it's 350 units, and here's the loss ratio. You guys interested? They say no. I could walk away. Right. Or but if I believe in it, then that get them to believe in it. Yeah. Makes sense. And and for that matters, it goes back to the quality of the data that you have. I mean, yeah. like I know you work out, it's trash in, trash out. If yeah. you if you eat bad, you're gonna have bad result. Yep. It's the same thing with with our business. If I give the underwriter bad data, poor data, incomplete data, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have either a bad rate or yep. I'm not gonna have a quote at all. So at the end of the day, sometimes we're able to place risks just because we have better data. We're doing more of the legwork or we can have a quote-unquote better rate because we have more accurate data. Yeah. Uh, recently, I just had one example. Um, uh, underwriter calls me and says, David, where did you get your square footage for, for said association? I said, why do you have a problem with it? She's like, well, we have some actuarial data on file and turns out, you know, they already wrote the risk. Right. And so, well, you know, we have uh, our square footage for this community is 50% higher than yours. Mm. So think about it. That means that right, <laughs> of, right off the bat is going to be a fifty percent increase in, in property Premium. value. Yeah. Like, you know, it's bad totally. news. Yep. So I ask us, well, where did you get your square footage? She said, well, I'm not sure. Apparently, it was maybe from previous broker. We're not quite sure. I said, well, then I got mine by doing unit by unit on the tax assessor's office website, which took forever because it was like that's what you did. Yeah. That's how you came up. So with then it? I have the square footage yeah, that they actually pay taxes on. So what more accurate data are you going to have than the data to pay taxes on? Right. And then based on that, because it's public record uh, in some counties and some states, so you can access that data because that makes you more valuable to your underwriter. Guess what? It's a never question my square footage. Sure. And was the answer, thank you, David, we're updating our records. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what you said. She said there is no way our data, like we, we don't know where our data is from. We right. just have it. We're going to go with yours. Right. And the chances of David getting that phone call again, yeah. Are, are, are pretty slim. Right, pretty makes slim. sense. I get a big, big, bigger industry question. So we know that you know inflation's up. We know natural with climate change. You know we're going to see more and more natural disasters. We're seeing carriers that are leaving some parts of the country. Do you feel as though like how volatile do you think that things are behind the scenes with carriers? Do you think you'll see more carriers leave the industry? That is a tough question. I don't see the the current trend slowing down too much in the next two to three quarters. Okay. Uh, to speak to a, a fourth quarter would be a little bit uh, presumptuous. Um, <clears throat> there's the numbers that we're seeing right now, and this is coming from a, a national uh, reporting group, um, mm -hmm. Council of Insurance Agents and Brokers. So it's it's third party data. Um, for the most part, unbiased. It's it's brokers like us reporting what we're seeing out there as far as increases sure. or decreases. And really, the only market that is decreasing is work comp, which is kind of strange. Mm. Um, but what we're seeing is is some certain lines of business. So you have you have commercial lines um, that that encompasses property, general liability. There's ocean marine. There's uh, I mean it, the list goes on and on and on. Auto, hired, non owned, DNO, crime. There's right. cyber. There's uh, environmental. All of all these different lines of business, and they track them individually to see which ones are going up, which ones are going down. And what we're seeing is uh, in the habitational uh, sector for for what we do in the condos and the HOAs. Right. What we're seeing is some of the, the major components, the property is one of the big ones that's on the move. It's still on an upswing, and it has been for a number of quarters mm. um, historically. 
and I, I don't see it slowing down anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's 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 really what what's going on around us, what's going on in the world has a huge impact on how uh, the premiums are rated. Yeah, makes yeah, sense. We're talking twenty three consecutive quarters of price increase, and right now we're seeing a, a, over twenty percent average increase. So it, right. it's just this is serious. That's why you really need to take an active role into managing yeah. that risk. And, and, um, and yeah. understanding who you are as a community. I mean, and then then understanding the process of, of the insurance. And, and once you understand how they come up with these numbers, premium is not a magic number. It isn't just invented. It's not something an underwriter just says, okay, this is what we're going to charge you because it's what I feel like. Right. I mean, I can break it down real simple. Um, you have, uh, for a community association, there's basically there's two numbers that are going to determine that. First number is going to be the total insurable value. David spoke to uh, square footage. So mm-hmm. they take your square footage of what the association is what they're responsible to insure, and they multiply that by what's called a rebuild rate or a reconstruction rate. Mm-hmm. And currently, we're looking at for frame construction somewhere around two hundred dollars per square foot. Mm. It's a math problem. Right. So, total insurable value is is the rebuild cost times square foot. It's real simple. Plus, um, so there's some other numbers that, that go into that, and as far as business, personal property, and some smaller numbers. But that's the big number. Mm-hmm. They take that number and they multiply it by what's called a rate. A rate is who you are as the community. Right. That's that's your loss history. That's how you guys do business. That's what's mm. going on in the community. That that's where the rate comes from. So the the total insurable value times the rate equals your premium. Yeah. It's not and a big rate's mystery. A product of risk, right? And it's, it's yeah. not it's, it's not a it's not a big mystery as to how we got there. So if a piece of plywood that cost twenty five dollars. Five years ago, now cost fifty-five dollars. Right. Your total insurable value went up, right. even if your rate is the same, or even if your rate went down, Still your total insurable value up. went up. So the, that the total insurable value times your rate is is it's coming up. So then, if you can wrap your brain around that, you can go, oh well, it's not just a made-up number that the insurance company says, I want to charge you more because I can. No, this, these are real numbers. They are generated by by real research, real data. Yeah. So it's important to have that accurate data. It makes sense. And those events that you're mentioning, Greg, I mean. We think of them like, oh, it's in the news, it's far away. But you're you're going to see it as a as a homeowner. The listeners are gonna see it as homeowners or residents as their insurance for their personal line is gonna go up and it's going to go up for their community as well. When you um you just mentioned, are we gonna see more carriers leaving? I am not kidding. Just was what, uh fifteen minutes before we came here mm-hmm. for the recording. I got on the phone with uh, an underwriter, uh, which I'm friendly with, and I'm trying to find a place for a community that is in a bad situation. I asked him, say, hey, um, do you have five minutes to talk? He said, oh, you want to talk to me about the, ba- the news? I'm like, what news? Mm. I have no idea what he's talking about. He says, well, they write 95% community association, condos, HOA, okay. a little bit of doubling somewhere else, but that's what their specialty is as a carrier. Well, the news we no longer write condos. Wow, what are you going to do for work? Like, where is the business going to come from? They will write certain things within that space, sure, but they're getting beat up so bad. It just happened to us this morning. Mm. So you know that's that's crazy, and you you see that you know you see that in a lot of different industries. Now, when you look at when something's getting rated and a premium's generated, is price always the driver right or there's part of its service you, you must get right do i go with the lowest price is there a compliment some somewhere in there i'll let you take that one steve because <laughs> i'll give you my answer in, in, in my world from what i see absolutely not price, price is a component it's a component. but it's not everything correct um and we we, we like to present 
more than one price, more than one option, mm. if there are. See, another another tough thing for community associations to swallow is the fact that the pool of carriers, or good carriers, is very, very small. Because all you, all you get beat up with all day long is, is insurance commercials. There's Liberty Mutual, there's State Farmers. Sure. I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm not going to go through naming all of them because and they all have their mascots and they all have their little characters and, and you, just, you just get bombarded with this all day long. But in, in the condo world, in the HOA world, community associations, there's not that many. There's right. very, very few good carriers to choose from. So when you start to limit that even more um, and, and understanding that, we don't have an endless supply of options here. So what we need to do is we need to find the option that best suits us. Now, it may, may not be the best priced option. Right, it may not be the cheapest option, um, but it's got to be somewhere in the ballpark. You know, you don't you don't want to pay double. The, totally. But yeah. but the coverages have to to reflect the price. So you, you, the appropriate coverages for the appropriate price is is really the answer. Yeah, it makes sense. I'll come back to education and be able to explain it to, and go through it. And understanding like the mechanics that. of yeah. the industry is is really right. really critical to 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 being comfortable and making good decisions. So if you think about it this way, when during the pandemic, uh, everybody is like thinking tight or doing economic recession, everybody's thinking, you know, you got to watch how much you spend. But at the same time, you see companies like LVMH thriving. Um, the luxury industry has never been better than yeah. today. And when you put that into comparison, like people are still going to spend more money on things that they perceive as an added value to it. Mm. If it's quality, if it's service, whatever the, whatever the case might be. I mean, uh, do you have, I, I didn't notice what kind of phone you have, but do, do you have Apple products? I have an Apple product, yes. So If I didn't have an Apple product, Nick would make fun of me every time that he comes in. So, yeah. <laughs> One of the things that is super about this product is the experience of unpacking. Totally. It's easy, the, the whole product. thing, yeah. I feel like it's, it's so fun. But, and you feel like it's quality, but that, that experience, like I know I have a 12-year-old daughter, and she legit, if we get a product, like she loves to unpack it and yeah. the experience of it. Great point. That's not just the product because she, she's happy with just unpacking it. Yep. And and part of the experience is what is your customer's experience uh, as a consumer, as a client? As a, what is being brought to you? Is it just the price? And then we're, you know, in the submarine, you don't hear from us for 11 months and then yeah. we come back up three weeks before renewal and hand you a 40% increase. And like, hey, see you, goodbye. That's the best we could do. Or are you in touch? Do you understand where the pricing is coming from. Do you understand yeah. what you need to do to be better? And, and that's really the approach that we're trying to have, uh, which, like Steve said earlier, yeah. try to make us different. That's very well put. And I could not agree with you more. It's, it's, it's the process. It's the experience of what the consumer has. So you guys do a podcast. Yeah. What's the name of it? <clears throat> uh, Community Association Car Chat. It's, uh, it was actually, it was a, it was a Product of COVID. Uh, yeah, it really, it really was. It was. Uh, we were having a little bit of trouble getting out there and 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 having conversations with people. Um, it was the very beginnings of COVID, where everyone was, uh, you know, hunkered down. And so uh, David and I had a conversation about how to uh, how to have more conversations, basically. <laughs> yeah, one day I remember. Well, I, you like to talk, Steve. You got to have an audience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was. Uh, I remember one day I was. Uh, uh, I was. At a station, uh, I was uh, driving an electric car, so I was charging my car. Shocker. And I was thinking, well, you know, how can I get to more people? Because you're getting closed doors one after the other, mm -hmm. and it was just becoming difficult. Well, I had this idea. I ran it by one of my, uh, one of my friends. 
tells me, yeah, it has some legitimacy to it and give me some 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 feedback. And then I was like, you know, I'm going to call somebody that think more like me. I call right. Steve. Steve, what do you think of this? He's like, yeah, okay, I think it's a good idea. I'll just jump in. I was like, yeah, how about like in uh, two, three months? Let me put something. He's like, no, I was thinking like two, three weeks. I'm like, what? And then we jumped in and now we're recording. Yeah, and, and how many episodes? You've done a lot of episodes. You're over 100, right? 130. Yeah, about 130. And if someone wanted to check it out, where would they go to check it out? Typically, we, we, we like to direct everybody to LinkedIn. That's really okay. where we, we release it uh, every Monday morning, 9 a.m. Uh, it's released live on LinkedIn. Um, so either go to my page or on uh, David Velasco on LinkedIn, or it's on our community association car chat page. Um, and the audience is primarily, uh, you know, professionals that evolve yeah. within our space. Uh, it's a good opportunity for us to understand, you know, other service providers and bring value to our audience. And this is not an insurance podcast. Well, yeah. I think no. we only talked insurance <laughs> twice. Yeah. Yeah, not very, not very often. It's it's uh, it's a place where you can learn a lot about the community association industry and and um, um, multifamily communities and what goes on. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah, no, we don't. It's great. Check it out. I've watched them. Check them out. It's educational. It's not sales oriented, which is great. And if anyone was out there listening that's interested about what you do with an HOA, insurance, all of that, what would be the best way to contact you? Really, David and I are on the road a lot, and um, but we do we do pay attention to our emails very closely. Um, everywhere I stop, I'm constantly constantly um, giving out information as far as uh, is what we can do and how we can be reached. Great. What's so, your email address, Dave? Um, I'm at Stephen S T E P H E N dot Roderick R O D E R I C K at jgsinsurance dot com. That's great. And and David, what's the best way to reach you? Same thing, David. Dot Velasco, V-E-L-A-S-C-O, at jgsinsurance.com, or DM me directly on LinkedIn, and uh, you can reach Steve and I uh, through, through LinkedIn as well. Yeah, and if anyone out there is trying to get in touch with you guys, you can uh, reach out to me at greg at yourmortgageprocess.com, and I'll give you their home phone numbers. So, <laughs> uh, Again, did I yeah. mention I'm a millennial? We don't have home phones. <laughs> well played. You know, when I first got into the mortgage industry, so I came in in 1998 and there was one rule, no home phone, no mortgage. That no, was the no rule kidding. back then. Yeah. Wow. Crazy? How, how times have changed. Man, so much. Because wow. I can remember, like I talked to an underwriter and be like, well, what do you mean we can't do the loan? No home phone, no loan. No kidding. Like, all right. Nowadays, <laughs> nowadays like, if you don't have your own Netflix account. Can't have a mortgage. You're right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, listen, guys, it's been great. You know, Steve, David, thank you so much. And Thanks again, you're from uh, JGS, which is a Baldwin Risk Partner. You guys are fantastic. You know what you're talking about. And again, if anyone has any questions, you reach out to these guys. Thanks for taking the time today. We appreciate you. Thanks for having us, Greg. Thank you very much. Hey, my pleasure. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Look forward to catching up with you next week. Bye, guys. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Your Mortgage Process, hosted by Greg Wareham, produced by Greg Wareham and Nick Pavise at The Social Rift, and executively produced by The Social Rift. Thank you again for tuning in, and we look forward to catching up with you next week.